Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode two of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Pretty good, man. Just got to take a nap. Ooh, nice. Oh, man. You don't even know. I mean, I've taken naps. Yeah, no, no, no. It's different, though. It's different (laughs) when you have babies. Everything's different when you have babies. That's all that anyone who's ever had a baby has ever told anyone who doesn't have a baby. Uh, well, they're not, they're not wrong, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what's not different, Dave? Is what we do here. Because what we're doing, Dave, is the same as last week. We are watching an episode of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. In this case, episode two, Assemble Cherokee Sentai. Uh, now we're going to talk about it, but before we get into it, Dave... We have our award-winning opening segment, Shining in the Heavens. There are five stars. What, oh what, is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, is uh, we did my birthday weekend this past weekend. Or I guess the weekend we're coming to the end of. Now, my actual birthday is next weekend. But the show, the show at the high school is that weekend because it's basically always the weekend of my birthday. So we did some birthday stuff this weekend. And it was... It was really, really great. Like, I had a ton of fun. I'm 35 this year. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I know that. I've known you for most of those years. It shouldn't come right. as a surprise. And yet, when you say it like that. No, I know. It is really, it is kind of strange. In a way that, how to say, I'm super happy with my life. If I wasn't, I can see where hitting 35 would be... Like a weird uh, day? Like a weird day in a way that turning 30 was not. Like turning 30, I was sort of like, eh, whatever, you're turning 30. Because if you're when you turn 30, you're basically just like in your super 20s. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like it's- nothing has really changed. Like 29 to 30, like, eh, you're not, you know, whatever. Uh, but now I'm solidly in my 30s. Like, 35 is, you know, like, if you were rounding that up, you round up to 40, not down to 30. So, like I said, I'm super, super happy with my life. Um, But I can see where if I wasn't, it would... I can see the seeds of a midlife crisis. Like, it makes sense to me in a way that I think maybe it never did before. Uh, So, that's kind of a weird experience. But in a less of a potential bummer, not for me... I don't know how to dig myself out of this hole, Matt. Well, Dave, um, let's you know talk what, about what I always dragons. I was going to say what I always do to dig myself out of a weird existential hole is Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> what I what I wanted to do for my birthday, I said, listen, all I want to do for my birthday is play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, can we please? We've been trying to play for a while this game that I'm running for you and uh, our sister Katie and my wife Beth, and we just haven't been able to. And I was like, let's get together. We're gonna hire a babysitter just to like watch the babies in the other room, and we're just going to play Dungeons & Dragons all day. And except for a few interruptions, we basically did that, and uh, and it was just as good as I wanted it to be. Like, it was amazing. Part of me was a little bit... Apprehensive is completely the wrong word. Maybe cautious, cautiously optimistic. Like, is this really going to be as fun as it was like in college? Does it just sit down and like 
play Dungeons and Dragons for hours and hours and hours? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah, the answer it is was, that Dungeons and Dragons still rules. Yeah, it was, uh, it was super, super great. I did have, I had a really weird experience while I was playing the while I was running mm-hmm. the game for you guys yesterday. And the experience that I had is I understood in a way how easy it would be and the fight that like wealthy people must have to not spoil their children. Okay. Because, okay, because as the dungeon master, like one of the best parts of Dungeons and Dragons is, you know, you level up or you get cool treasure or you get a magic item, right? Sure. And it's like, oh man, plus two sword. No way. Like, this is awesome and it's super exciting. I, as the dungeon master, have an infinite number of plus two swords that I can hand out. Like, I could just give everybody a plus two sword if I wanted to. Yeah, and, and I, I will note, based on, uh, here, let me real take, take a quick look at my character sheet. Yeah, no, none of us do have a plus two sword. Yeah, none of you have a plus two sword. I mean, I'm a wizard, but, so I wouldn't get much. Yeah, I wouldn't do anything for you. But it's the principle but of the like, thing, Dave. Um, the way it's that's exactly it. It's the principle of the thing. Is it so delightful for me to see the looks on your faces when you get like cool treasure? But if I just handed it out willy nilly, you wouldn't appreciate it, Matt. Uh, you'd get spoiled, and then you wouldn't have. Uh, you know, your characters wouldn't have character. And so, like, I all of a sudden I was like. Oh, I bet that's what it's like for super rich parents who are like, no, I'll just buy Johnny the thing and he'll be so, like, he'll enjoy it so much. Uh, You know, but there's diminishing returns on that stuff. So that was a. Man, I really you know we were trying having fun we playing D anD D. Yeah, I was gonna say we were really trying to get out of that weird existential pit you had thrown us into originally, and we are right back in it. Nope, we're right back there. Uh, but man, we're we're playing Wrath of the Storm King, and like you guys fought a bunch of storm giants, and uh, so almost say too many. <laughs> hey, listen, talk to talk to Watsy about it. I just played the ball as it lies. That's just that's how the encounter was written. Um, so yeah, you guys fought some storm giants, and that was super cool. And you guys actually did get some magic items, which was rad. I think you got like a plus one cope of protection. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Uh, it so was Friday it was a night. ton of fun. Man, I just, I know. Like, I'm a little bummed out that we're not playing again right now. Uh, well, but, but night, we are doing a different fun thing right now. So try to try to live in this moment. Yeah, that's true. Live intentionally. So, a, uh, and then on Friday night, Beth and I uh, did get a babysitter for the babies. And we went out on a date night, which we have done like one other time since we got the babies. So we, uh, we went, we saw Kingsman, the Golden Circle, which nice, was... Nice great uh, if you haven't seen it, i definitely recommend it it was it was just a ton of ton of fun uh they go to america they meet the statesman which is like the american branch of kingsman it's very cool and uh and then we went to a restaurant that we have not gone to it's a really really good restaurant it's called uh, fire if you've ever heard of it man it's in cleveland it's over in shaker square and um we have not gone there i think since beth quit her job Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a wonderful dinner. It's a super good restaurant. And we were like, you know what? Like, it's just, it's our birthday. It's a birthday dinner. Like, we never go out and, and go to this place. Let's just, you know, don't worry. Like, just get the, get whatever you want and blah, blah, blah. And then the bill came. And I remembered why we have not gone back to that place since we went down to a single income. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, Oh man! Wow! Right! 
Yeah, I forgot about that part. That's um, a, that's a whole other part of it. It's a whole other thing. So, anyways, um, but I had a great birthday weekend. Thank you for being part of it. Oh, absolutely. And, I had a good, uh, great time. Yeah, and thank and you, happy Matt, Matt got me the yeah. Thanks, Matt got me the Dungeon Master's Guide, the DMG, which is awesome because it's full of those sweet, sweet magic items. So you know, so, it, it was um, partially a, a selfish gift. Uh, <laughs> I thought about that. Um, anyways, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Our second star of the week, Dave, is the thing that I the thing that I wish I was doing right now instead of this. Um, although I am trying to live in this fun moment, is that uh, this weekend Super Mario Odyssey came out. And I bought Ooh. Super Mario Odyssey. I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, it's amazing. So it came out on Friday. I popped okay. over to the GameStop that's by my work on Friday over at lunchtime. And then I spent the rest of my Friday wondering why I was still at work and not at home playing this game. Um, <laughs> in a way that like does not often happen to me, but like Mario games are special. And so I got this game and I brought it home and... Uh, I don't know why I'm, like, t- telling you all, like, the mid-steps between me buying it and playing it. Uh, I started playing the game, and, dude, it is great. Uh, so, do you know much about Mario Odyssey? I know you don't have a Switch. No, I don't have a Switch, and, uh, you know, I'm sort of out of the video game game, as it were. So, uh, I know that it's really, really good, and that's basically what I know about it. Okay, here's the gem with uh, Super Mario Odyssey, is that Mario, like, his regular hat gets messed up, and so he partners up with a, like, magic hat spirit that replaces okay. his hat. Um, but the other magic... The, the, uh, other than just being a sentient hat, the thing that it does is Mario throws his hat at a monster, the hat lands on top of the monster's head, and then Mario, like, possesses that monster. Like, whatever it is, grows a mustache and is now Mario. Okay. So, like, you throw it at a frog, and you can do, like, crazy frog jumps, and you throw it at a fish, and you can swim around and don't have to worry about air anymore. Or you throw it at a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and you can just bust through giant walls. No kidding. Yeah. It okay. Is, so it adds this whole other element to the, like, platforming, puzzly, action-y stuff, because it's you don't just have to be paying attention to what Mario can be doing but also what all of the other things that he is encountering could be doing should he decide to possess them. It's super no great. Kidding. Man, you know, that is one of the coolest things about the Mario games is that they are just always trying to figure out some weird twist on, on like, the sort of standard Mario side-scroller. Right. Like, well, because, I mean, like, like, you okay. sort of have to. Because Mario's been around for, what, 35 years or something? Like, uh, yeah, if not a little bit longer. I'm not totally sure. Um, and so, but like, yeah, you know, like, they really have to do stuff to change it up. Because otherwise, you know, like, as much as I love the old Mario games, you can't just do that game over and over. Or people will get sick of it. And so, it, right. this one kind of reminds me of... In a way that I like, because I really like Mario Sunshine, it kind of reminds me of Mario Sunshine, in that, like, Mario can okay. do all the regular Mario stuff, and then he also has this weird other, like, set of tools he can use that sort of, like, change up the game as to, like, how he interacts with his environment. Oh, it's also a lot more, like, uh, it's not, like, completely open world, but each, like, world that he goes into is one big area, as opposed to a bunch of discrete areas. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, uh, it super rules, and I love it a lot, and I will be playing it as soon as we are done with this. 
<laughs> um, yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell us uh, tell us how it is next week. What, well, Matt, is our third Star of the Week? So our third Star of the Week, Dave, is that I am very glad that we are at the end of October. Because in October, I had to do three separate work trips for work. Oh, geez. Yeah, like I, and like none of them were, like each individually, they're all fine. Like I had to go to uh, St. Louis, Missouri for a conference where I saw a friend of the show and friend of us in real life, Aaron. Um, And then I had two trips out to sort of like suburban Chicago area. Um, But here's what happens, Dave. When you take two trips out to the sort of like suburbs of Chicago, um, two weeks in a row... And especially when work has already like planned those trips for you and you have the both full itineraries, is that sometimes you w- look at one itinerary and you think it's the other itinerary. So, so I, was, I was driving back to the airport on the first trip. And I thought, okay, well, it's like 4.30 and my flight is at like 7.30. So all I've got to do is, you know, like drive, like drive the 45 minutes to an hour up to the airport you know, drop the rental car off, get to my gate, and then, like, sit there for two hours, maybe, like, stop and get a bite to eat somewhere. Right. So, because Illinois has, like, really heinous uh, tolls, and I did not have yeah. a bunch of cash on me, and those tolls yeah, they do are. not, ex- like, they do not accept cards. Um, yeah, no, they're very bad. Although, apparently, there is a way to, like, later go and, like, pay your tolls, tolls online, but I was not going to create a toll-paying like internet profile for the purposes of this one trip. No, that's mostly, I'm going to be honest, mostly out of spite. Um, so I decided I'm going to take like the scenic route and I get sort of stuck in traffic and it's fine though. Cause I have tons of time. So right. I drop off the car. I get the shuttle to the airport. I figure out where my gate is. I figure, okay, I'm going to get to my gate and then do that whole airport thing. Right, I'm going to get to my gate, and once I know where it is and have, like, put eyes on it, then I'm going to figure out where to eat or grab a drink or something. Yeah. So I get to my gate, and I look at my ticket, and it says, okay, you're at gate, you know, C28. I look at my ticket, it says C28, and I look up at the gate where I am, and it says, okay, C28. And then I look at the big line of people and the big sign they are standing next to that says, the flight from Chicago to Cleveland is boarding now. Oh. <laughs> and, and as it turns out... Um, 7.30 was the flight the next week. That week's flight was at 5.30. And so I showed up as the plane was boarding. But I realized that I did myself the biggest favor of all time. Because I was never going to get there much faster, right? Like, that's just how long it took me to get to the airport. I wasn't specifically dawdling. I could have taken a slightly faster route. But basically, that is how long it would have taken me to get there in any case. Um, right. And so, so you just I, I made stumbled... It. Into not freaking out about it. Right. I just somehow, like, tricked my brain into having the most chill drive ever, where otherwise I would have spent, like, an hour and a half completely flipping my lid. No, um, I was going to say, man, like, I can I can see, like, the moment of, like, flop sweat panic existing right as you show up, and then it's like, oh, wait, no, it's fine. Yeah, it was amazing, and I just... And all that meant then is that I didn't have to wait at the airport for another two hours. So I just hopped on the plane and went home. It was great. No, that's perfect. Uh, Speaking of other things that are great, Dave, what is our fourth Star of the Week? So our fourth Star of the Week, Matt, is that Fall TV is up and running. Uh, Yes, it is. Now, I, 
Um, it, I think insofar as like you are out of the video game game, I feel like I am almost that much out of the TV game. So why don't you tell me what is happening right now? Okay, well, first of all, uh, there's a ha- okay, there's a handful of things that are just back on that are great, and they continue to be great, and they're always great. So, um, Bob's Burgers is back on, wonderful, and I just like that show is seven. I think they're in its. Th- I think they're in their seventh season this year. Is it really? And it re- I know, right? And I keep tentatively, not like excitedly. But, you know, like, when a show gets to be in that, like, six, seven-year range, mm-hmm. for me at least, I'm always I'm always waiting for it to start dying. Right. You, you're starting to you look know, for the slow signs of rot to creep in from around the edges. Yeah. Just because, like, you know, how long can you keep a single creative endeavor going that isn't getting, you know, sort of fresh? Like, our show we can functionally do forever because, like, we're always... We are we are the uh, we're like those little sucky fish that swim along the bottom of the shark. You know, we're like a remora on the universe of Super Sentai. Like we're not expending a ton of energy. We're just sort of like grabbing the hilarious scraps that fall off the off of the shark. I feel you know? like that's not the most charitable description of what we do here on this show. But sure. Well, I just you know listen. Man. Hey, listen. Uh, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but dude. Bob's Burgers continues to be hilarious. Like, it's really, like, it's top-notch work. And, like, I'm talking about this as though I have to, like, convince anybody that it's, like, the project of some friends of mine. Um, it's not. It's just I really like everybody who's on the show. And uh, it's it just continues to be great. So if you're concerned about it, don't worry about it. And, man, Flash. Flash okay, now I'm four, like dude. a full, like, I don't think I saw any of season three. I might not have finished season two of Flash, as much as I did like it. Okay. Now this, that's a little bit weird to me, because I only started watching Flash, Matt, because you told me how good it was. I know, it's it was really good. Wait, man, you okay. know how I am with TV. I just, I yeah, watch no, I a know. bunch of it, and then I decide that I'd rather be playing video games while I listen to a podcast. And I can't listen to a podcast while I'm watching TV, so I play more video games than I watch TV. Yeah. So you gotta let me maximize just tell you, that input, Dave. You can you can skip season three. Like, look up a plot synopsis for it. You can very comfortably skip season three. I watched it because I was watching it and I like the flash, but it was. I think it's definitely the weakest season of the show so far. Nice, dude. Th- there is no better news than when someone tells you you can skip a season of television. Yeah, <laughs> like that is that is the the kindest thing that anyone can ever tell you. Uh, because, like, you know, like I'm never gonna sit down to catch up on the Flash and watch like the two seasons I need to to like really get into the show. Because, like. I've got other things in my life, and I don't necessarily have those, I don't know, 50 hours to kill. Um, yeah, So you just lot. gave um, me back, like, a week of my life, so thank you. And it's it's actually even more, because I think, as we've mentioned, CW took all of their shows off of Hulu and now have put them on their own terrible app, which is free, but you have to watch commercials. Mm-hmm. And I pay the extra on Hulu, so I don't have to watch commercials. And so I had to go from watching Flash without commercials to with commercials, and it's miserable. I mean, not miserable enough to make me stop watching the show, because I do really like it. But I forgot, because like all my media I have without commercials. Like, 
because I watch all my stuff on Hulu or Amazon or Netflix, and they don't have commercials. Right. And commercials are awful. They're the worst. Oh, yeah. And I and have only gotten worse in the time that we have not been paying attention to them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're it's so like, you know how bad. if you have, like, a medical problem and you stop paying attention to it, by the time you, like, turn around and confront it, it's, like, probably... Or also, yeah, like, if there's a problem with your car. Off. I yeah. feel like the state of commercials on television is that. Yeah. Now, I do see ads on YouTube and, like, Facebook, but I... Uh, I first of all, they're usually short... And I also play a fun game with myself uh, for YouTube ads, which is anytime they ask, I tell them what any any ads you show me, it doesn't matter what it's for. I just say it's not relevant. Like, this is not relevant to me. Like, whatever it is, unless it's something that I'm like actively, definitely super interested in, which like virtually never happens. So I just say that everything is irrelevant to me and just kind of see what they shoot at the wall next. So I've been getting ads for like, super high-end, like, investment futures (laughs) trading services. But, like, last week, I was getting ads for incredibly heavy-duty, like, industrial machinery. Like, machinery that costs, like, $50,000 that you would have no need of unless you were, like, in that business. So, uh, I get my goal, really, is just to, like, mess with the algorithm. Anyways. Uh, I I do the same by uh, blocking every account that uh, shows me a promoted tweet. Oh, uh, nice. And so That's the really promoted good. tweets that I do see are just like this bizarre scatter shot that I like. I would tell you what sort of profile they're trying to make of me, but I genuinely don't know anymore. Okay, so anyways, Matt, you should go back and watch season four, or you should start season four. There's only one, maybe two episodes. No, there's two episodes of it. Um, at this point, and here's all I'm going to tell you, Matt. Okay, so first of all, say, it's very give me, good. Give me a hook, well, Matt. By the end of season four, episode one, things are getting a little Kirby-ish. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, buddy. We, 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 talking, we talking that fourth world? We just might be. Damn. Now, nobody, no names were dropped, but I saw, like, there's, like, a shot of a dude, and he comes on screen, and I'm like... There's basically only one person that that could be, and if that so that means this whole other thing. So, I think we might be hitting that fourth world, man. Well, it's the fourth season. It's just in time. It's just in time, and they've already promised us that it's not going to be a super speed villain, which is very exciting. Okay. So, feel free, skip season three, like, check out a plot synopsis, but you may want to dip in on season four. Um... Arrow, the first season, uh, episode one came out. It's very, very good. Um, if you dig Arrow, it's a very different show, obviously, than Flash. But it is really good. And uh, I feel like Arrow had had a week one or two seasons. But last season, season five was very good. And season six also looks to be very good, which is super exciting. Matt, let's hurry it up. What is our fifth star of the week? Dave, the fifth star of the week is a uh, an, an advertisement of sorts from me, by me, for me. Um, okay, well, it's it better be good, because we literally just spent like 45 seconds to a minute talking about how terrible commercials were. Okay, uh, that is true. Uh, this is a commercial, though, for another podcast. Oh, okay. Right on. Uh, and it's not a, a podcast that I'm just recommending. It's a podcast that I am doing, and it's not this one. Uh, now, you know about this, Dave. I'm not, I I'm did, not, yeah. No, I am right. not, like, uh, throwing this at you. Uh, 
I feel like that would be sort of a weird surprise to give to your brother and podcast co-host that you are doing a different podcast without him. Um, but I am doing another podcast. It is called Spectre. Uh, the first episode came out this past weekend. It is me and Jake Mason from uh, the Morphin Grid and sort of his general family of products. I think he is up to now. It's 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 if it's not a cool dozen podcasts, it is closing in on it. Um, yeah, uh, that dude. That dude is busy. Uh, but we are doing a James Bond podcast. This is Spectre, the special podcast exclusively for comedy, talking, revenge, and extortion. Um, mm. The the first episode is the just a sort of a general introduction to us and to the show. Uh, then in two weeks' time, we're going to be releasing the Doctor No episode, and then we'll be off to the races from there. We're not watching them in release order. We're watching all of the. F- we're watching the first movie from all of the Bonds in a row. And then we're looping okay. back around to watch the second movie for all of the Bonds, except for George Lazenby, of course, who only has one movie. And then we're going to, like, loop around again, except for Timothy Dalton, who only has two movies. So, like, that is sort right. of how we are doing it. And then at the, okay. end, at the end of those loops, we're going to be watching, like, James Bond-adjacent stuff. Got it. So we might watch a Kingsman. We might watch a, an episode of James Bond Jr. We might watch a, an an Armand Flint, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, Man, I haven't seen the Flint movies in ages. Oh, they are super fun. They're not great, but they are very fun. <laughs> I think that's that's accurate. Man, that describes a lot of my favorite stuff, actually. Well, that's that's fair. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's called Spectre. It's on iTunes and Stitcher now. Um, if you like listening to me here, then you might like listening to me there. Uh, and I ask you to give it a shot. Uh, and then, Dave, you're going to be on the show at some point, I think. We haven't figured out which episode we're going to have you on. Yeah, so you guys are doing uh, you guys are doing a lot of guest hosts on the show. I think you're planning on like one guest host per episode, right? Uh, we're shooting for that. I don't know if we're actually going to make it, but that is the right that is the idea that we're hoping for. If you do do an episode about James Bond Jr., I'm calling dibs. I want in on I want in on that. Okay. Well, you know, he learned the games from his uncle James. Now he's here with the name James Bond. That is a very, that show raises so many questions, which we're not going to talk about right now, but we will someday if we do that special episode of Spectre. But Dave, now we've got a different episode. I was just going to say. And that episode is episode two of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. It is called Assemble Cherokee Sentai. We're going to take a break. We're going to watch that show and we will be right back. All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode two of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger, and uh, it has not let up the pace from the first episode. I was going to say, dude, uh, somebody I know mentioned on Twitter that like around episode eight, the show kind of changes or gets a little bit different, but so far, the show rules. Yeah, so okay, so we start off, it says, hey, it's 1999, Baranoia is attacking, uh, this is what happened last episode, like, bad stuff happened until Garo showed up, uh, and then he showed up, and everything is cool now, but, like, the Baranoia Empire is very large, and the events of last episode are so far only kind of a blip on their radar, and, like, they are still continuing their full-fledged invasion, so, like, here we go showing you the next stages of that. And that is how yes. we start off. Um, we cut to a bunch of those, like, 
alien like jet fighter slash walkers going through the city and blowing up buildings and people running from them. Um, I, I will eventually stop talking about the like quality of the like weird camera trickery plus miniature work in this show. Uh, but not that the day that I stopped doing that is not today because it still is impressing me based on how it stacks up to uh, previous seasons. And it's very good. I was going to say, they are doing a just a super killer job. Um, I actually, I, I think the thing that stands out to me most about it is not just how good it is, but how good it is, like, even from the previous year. Like, I feel like it's significantly better than Kaku Ranger. Now, I will, uh, you know... Devil's Advocate, I guess. I will say that I, I think that might have something to do with just sort of the nature of the monsters that they are fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah, so the nature of the enemies in Cocker Ranger was that they were all these sort of dispersed, kind of street-level yokai until they became giant monsters. But, you know, they weren't part right. of a giant invasion fleet. And so the difference, I think, is that in this show... They're really taking the time to show that it's not just, oh, here is a monster they're fighting, but here are like the streets filled with enemies and jet fighters flying through the city and blowing up buildings. There's a lot more of that to make the threat feel more like pervasive, I guess. Yeah, um, like they are not just fighting, you know, they're not just fighting like the odd yokai that like this really is a full on like planetary invasion and I, I do, I really dig that the monsters are just kind of starting off giant. I think it's a cool twist. Yeah, now it's, listen, it's not going to be that way every episode. Um, but it is very cool that they've been doing it so far. Uh, so we cut to, oh, what's his name? The butler, Acha and Kocha. The two, like, Acha the, and Kocha. The two robo-butlers. Yeah, and uh, and we were right. Uh, Kocha is the small one, and Acha is the, like, humanized, human-sized one. And so... They say, listen, um, we have given you our demands. You have not been responding to them. Uh, it's very rude. And so, oh, by the way, they are reading off of a, like an official proclamation. I was just going to say, and all, you've got to mention this. All of the lettering on this official proclamation, it's all like shapes of cogs and gears and so forth instead of letters. So they've got like, this like, whole weird machine written language. It's very cool. I was getting, man, I thought that was... Like when they when they first opened it up and all I saw was like cogs, I was like, oh, that's kind of goofy. And then when I took another look at it and I realized that it was all like different size cogs and different segments of cogs and different shapes and different positions relative to each other, I was like, I I I reconsidered absolutely and I said, That's that's actually a really, really cool idea. Like that's just a neat little attention to detail thing. And stuff like that I think always makes Always makes these things so much better. Yeah. So they say, listen, you haven't been responding to our demands. And so starting now, we are going to begin to employ force uh, if you don't <laughs> get back to us. So Which uh, I thought was great. It's like, <laughs> the implication, of course, is that they haven't been so far. Yeah, like so far, we've just been kind of letting you know what we want. But soon, if you don't respond, we're actually going to start attacking you and you are not going to love it. Just like a quick heads up. So we cut to a helicopter, and our heroes are on this helicopter, and Garo is taking them to the, like, O-Ranger base. 
But the other four don't know that they're going to the O-Ranger base yet because they're not actually O-Rangers yet. So they look out the window and they're like, hey, uh, what's going on in Tokyo? Goro's like, oh yeah, uh, untold destruction. Yeah, he's like, things are very, very bad, but the best thing you can do... And he's like, listen, I recognize that this is weird, right, because but they, the best thing you can do they are begging is come him. with me right now. They're yeah. begging him to take them to like the standard Air Force base. Like People are attacking. We should get to the Air Force base so we can get in a plane and try to shoot these things. That's our job. Come on. And he says, no, no, no. Like We have this other thing to do. So he is in this helicopter, and he flies them over to the... I don't think it has a name yet, does it? But the O-Ranger base. The O-Base. I don't know. And uh, and they land. And then we, we see a shot of uh, the four of them following Goro, walking in. So Goro is striding through the base. He obviously knows where he's going. And he is laying out a, a little bit of the background as to, as to kind of like what's going on. Yeah, he says, listen, uh, you tried to fight these things, and you know that we can't fight them the way that you were doing it. Like, our science just isn't strong enough. But here at this base, we are developing the sort of science that will allow us to really take the fight back to the Baranoia Empire. And at that yeah. point, this is when um, uh, Jury, the Yellow Ranger, remembers, like, oh, right, uh, just a few minutes ago, this guy turned into a superhero with, like, a sword that let him destroy this robot that we weren't able to kill. Well, she she kind of does, but she says, like, oh, I wonder if, like, could that be could it? that possibly could... be it? <laughs> she has this one. I didn't write it down. But she has this, some line where she's like, I wonder what it could be. It's like, Jury, I feel like you like, should. You were there, I right? I feel like you get it. You were there, right? <laughs> and so... So they walk down and uh, they're they are sort of walking through and they're getting it's a it's some cool camera work because they're getting visibly they're sort of getting like deeper and deeper into the bowels of of this complex yeah and, and they, we're seeing like fewer and fewer people in the hallways which I thought was a really neat little visual storytelling cue yeah and and until they get through sort of like the staff only entrance. Um, that goes into where, like, the O-Ranger stuff specifically is happening. And this is yeah. where they're introduced to uh, Chief of Staff Miria. Yes. Uh, who's just, like, and, fiddling with a knob on a wall. And Goro says, like, this Chief of Staff here is, he is the dude. Like, he is the guy who sort of started this whole project. He's the one who who really, really knows what's up and kind of has all the info and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right, so like I will turn the I will turn this lecture over to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, they all step into a elevator, and the chief of staff is saying, "Yeah, you know, like I've heard of you guys. Obviously, I recruited you based off of your really stellar reputation. Hey, have you guys heard of Pangea? <laughs> Which is a big jump. And uh, one of the, you know two, three or three of them say no, but one of them says like, "Yes, I have heard of Pangea." Uh, and six, he, yeah, like six hundred million years ago, there was only one continent before the continental drift. Um, but, you know, back in the day, there were no humans, and so that's just sort of what the Earth looked like. But were right. there humans? Yes, there or were so humans. so we thought. There were totally humans. And he says not only were there humans, but the humans during this time period were all part of, like, one Pangea-spanning super-civilization. Yes. And, like, that civilization had 
ultra technology. And oh, we find out. Sorry, that chief of staff. It's Muria. How do you? How do we say it again? I think it's Muria. Muria, uh, chief of staff. I'm just gonna call him chief of staff right now. Uh, chief of staff is an archaeologist. In addition to being like some other sort of scientist, he is like a multi field dude, and it's that archaeology thing that he sort of. That's how he has gotten hooked up with all of this. Right. So the the elevator lands in this sort of sub basement of the base. And they walk yeah. out and they see this giant dark room full of these illuminated monuments. Okay, this is really, really cool. Because there's a pyramid in the middle, but then there's like a Greek-looking temple. And I think it's supposed to be an Easter Island statue. Uh-huh. And then there's a sphinx. Mm-hmm. And a, did I already say pyramid? I already said pyramid. Yeah, the pyramid's in the middle. Yeah. And what's the last one? Blanking out all of a sudden. Oh, I, I think there are actually two more. Um, one of them, the the pink ring, the one that be, will become like the pink ranger's like icon, or you know, the thing that is her will become her zord in episodes. Hence, is that I, uh, it, I don't remember what it's called. I have looked it up in the past. It is this sort of statue that kind of looks like you know those um. Like those very old statues called like the Venus of whatever. And it's like a sort yeah. of a round shaped uh, feminine figure with like a basket on its head. Yes. Imagine that if it was wearing like prehistoric like Captain Cold glasses. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that's what it is. And like I don't remember what it's called, but it, it is this sort of like famous artifact in I think in Japan. Oh, oh, Okay. Rad. I did not know that. Um, which is why it is in this show, but like it's the one that you and I do not recognize. Um, so yeah, there's like all of these monuments arrayed out there. And then Shohei, the Green Ranger, you know, who will be the, the Green O-Ranger. Yeah. Um, or O-Green is actually how they will uh, be called. Refer to themselves, yeah. So Shohei says, well, this is all very interesting, but what does it have to do with us? Because also, he has not been paying that close of attention. Yeah. <laughs> so the chief of staff says, listen, when Pangea split, this super civilization also split. And I guess the vibe is, or the idea is supposed to be that all of these famous monuments are maybe like recreations or remembrances of particular elements of this super civilization that developed into, you know, Japan and Egypt and Easter Island and Greece and whatever. Right. Which I think is a super, I really dig that concept. And the chief of staff further goes on to explain. He says, as far as we can tell, here's kind of how this civilization got to be so incredibly rad. They figured out... They basically figured out, like, infinite energy transfer slash, like, transformation. Yeah. And so they figured out how to turn geothermal, solar, blah, 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 power into, like, an infinite source of, of free power. They bas- Okay. So basically, like, what this civilization figured out is that, like, feng shui is real and then they figured out how to use it to basically power their entire civilization. Yeah, or I think another way to put it is that, like, they figured out a way to turn, like, 
the quote-unquote, like, power of the Earth into a literal power source. Like, actual functional power source. And then, uh, because they had that, they were sort of able to advance all of the rest of their science. Like, super-duper advance all the rest of their science. So, this Choriki, as as you may have guessed, is... It's the Choriki from the Choriki Sentai. It is the Choriki Cannons. Like... This is the the power source that they have also learned to harness that is going to fuel the O-Rangers and their Zords and all of their stuff. It is all Choriki-powered, basically. Right. Um, and as they are talking about all of this, the phone rings like down in this sub-basement. And they get the announcement, they're like, hey, uh, do you remember <laughs> earlier? I mean, no big deal. But if you remember earlier... Uh, when the Baranoia Empire said that they were going to start using force. Well, as it happens, um, they have decided to start doing that now. So maybe if you guys want to like speed things up, we could really use your help out here. Yeah, I was going to say, the quicker you could get here, uh, the way, way cooler it would be. So we cut to the city, and there is a giant like flying saucer that has turned into a dude called the Bara Saucer. And he is already giant, uh, which is yeah. great. It is, uh, it's a pretty cool look. He's sort of like a saucer slash octopus? Sort of. He's got, like, of. he's got a lot of things going on. Well, he's got one of the very... He's got like two super long arms that he has like wrapped around some buildings and is like throwing them around. Um, but he has a distinctly... I feel like he has a distinctly sort of octopus sort of look. Also because he's like in the bay, which I think is also adding to that. Um, yeah. But as you say, he's wrapping his arms around stuff. Those things that he's wrapping them around are buildings, which he is ripping out of the ground and, like, stacking up. And we cut to the moon, and uh, Emperor Bacchus Wrath is talking about how stoked he is that everything is going super well. And he says, not only is our invasion going great, but now we also have a monument to how well it is going, referring, like, of to course, our to incredible this, glory. Like, referring to this, like, giant stack of buildings. Oh, which also, by the way, has a school bus on top of it with a teacher and, like, two kids in the bus. Now, oh, yeah. Here's one thing that I want to say about Emperor Bacchus Wrath is that he is very excited. And listen, like, right now things are going well for him. I don't blame him. Here's what I do blame him for his architectural his sense. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, because he thinks that this is a really good monument, but it is just like a pile of buildings that is going to collapse in the next 10 minutes. If that is the sort of thing that he is willing to hang his hat on, like his like weird cog-shaped crown hat, um, on as a celebration of how well his army is doing and like the power and strength of his empire, uh, then maybe, just maybe, he does not have a super good like view for the future. He's very good in the yeah, moment, dude. but he doesn't have... He's not a vision guy, that Bacchus Rath. Right. Come, it's like, come on, man. Get yourself right. Um, so we cut back down to the sub-basement, and uh, Chief of Staff... or it's, Maybe it's Gora, but they say, listen, you are going to get these super suits. Like, we have used this Choriki technology to develop these super suits, and you're going to get them, but you cannot wear them now. Like, it is just, like, you cannot handle, like, the, you don't have, you do not have the requisite strength, basically. Right. Like, your terrible human bodies handle. cannot handle Chariki. Right. So, you are going to have to undergo some changes. And then, and Goro kind of jumps in and he says, 
he's like, listen, I know that sounds a little bit weird. And the other Rangers are like, oh, what now? What do you mean? Just what do you mean changes? That's very vague. And he says, no, look, I know that sounds a little bit weird. Uh, I have already undergone, like, I've already undergone these changes. They're like, look at me, I'm cool, cool, so don't, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, Yeah, basically he's saying, like, listen, you're not going to turn into, like, a weird, crazy monster. Like, it's, you're fine. Like, but you are going to have to do it. Um, And it's nice that he does that, because chief of staff doesn't really wait. He's like, okay, you guys go in that other room. And they're like, huh? And then he hits a button. (laughs) And then lasers start (laughs) shooting out of the top of the pyramid, and it starts transforming them. And I'll tell you what, it is not a pleasant experience. No, they... I think uh, I think O-Ranger might be raw. O-Ranger is pretty raw, dude. Um, they are like writhing in pain and like clutching at their chests and sweating. And like you see the camera zoom in on their eyes and they're seeing like visions of these like monuments that are out in this field. But like laser grid versions of those monuments... They're just yeah. like tripping off of these earth lasers and transforming into superheroes. It's very weird, but it seems to be going okay. Yeah. So they are kind of bathed in the energy, and that's kind of all we get from there. Like, we don't get the transformation yet. Right. Well, I mean, we do, okay, we don't have to wait long because we cut yeah, to Yeah, I was going to say, city. we're not like held in suspense. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, there are a few minutes of suspense, or would have been if we had watched it originally, because this is where the episode break is for the commercial. Right. But once we yeah, come back we to that, we are in the city, uh, Barra Saucer is going to town. Well, okay, he's already in town, I've already said he's in the city. He is destroying that city that he is in, and has gone to previously. So, they show up in the city, and they waste no time. They are just like, they hop out, and they do their first... Full team, uh, you know, Choriki Henshin, and they go through, and it's like, oh, yellow, oh, blue, oh, green, oh, red, oh, ranger, oh, they, oh, and pink they all as well. know, kind of like do the pose. No reason to yeah. leave Momo out of things. Yeah, sorry. Oh, oh speaking pink. of not leaving people out of things, one thing I do want to mention is when they roll up, they all have their own motorcycles, and nobody's oh, yeah. stuck in a sidecar. And I always love it when nobody is stuck on a sidecar. It makes yeah, me feel very nice. good about the team. So they uh, they all hop off and they they transform, and uh, and then like they just jump into it, man. They just start fighting. Um, they are just wrecking these Barra soldiers. Um, and they yep. do it in such a way to highlight their individual fighting styles. Like uh, Shohei, the O Green, is just punching people to death. Um, oh gosh, Yuji, who is O Blue, is doing a yes. lot of like flying, like cool flying jump kicks. Like, the sort mm-hmm. of jump kicks that only actually exist in, like, wire work shows like this and in the video game Mortal Kombat, where you're, like, flying right. forward and kicking a bunch of times but not stopping your forward motion. Right. <laughs> um, we get some stuff from O Pink, which is, again, she's, like, the kung fu that is her, like, Chinese martial arts style uh, in a vague sort of way. She, her fight here doesn't seem too distinctive. I'm, I'm hoping for more from her later. Is she doing Tai Chi, Dave? Like, is that what's happening? Because it's very sort of like, man, I wish I knew more about what I was talking about. Because it definitely gives me the vibe that she's doing something specific, and I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Hey, if anybody knows, actually, hit us up. It 
it might be Tai Chi, but man, I, I don't know. Um, so they are fighting. We see their weapons. We so everybody pulls out their battle stick. Oh, everybody yeah. pulls out the King Blaster, and then uh, everybody pulls. Or I'm sorry, the is it the King Blaster? And then they tran- they combine them into the the King Smasher. The King Smasher. Thank you. So they're yeah. King Smashing. Oh no! I'm they sorry. start fighting. It's the King Blaster is the small version. When they put That's their battle right. stick into it, it becomes the King Smasher. Right, and then so they're fighting um, Barasaucer. And it's like it's kind of effective, but not not really. Bar saucer is a bigger deal than the the King Smasher can handle. Yeah, but while this is happening up on the moon, the like Baranoia royal family looks down and say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Who are these dudes? What is going on right now? I hate like, this. this is... I hate everything that's happening. Please make it stop." Yeah, this is really really messing with us. Uh, the wife, Empress. Uh, hysteria, I think. Hysteria, thank you. I am sorry, Matt. I had a very weird moment. Let my real life bleed into this. We're doing Greek theater in one of my theater courses. So you almost said Hestia. I was like, yeah. I was like Hestia, no. And then I just got caught on a loop of like weird Greek theater names, and I knew that none of them were right, but that it was in fact a Greek word. So thank although you. to be fair, uh, the emperor's name is Emperor Bacchus Wrath. So yeah, right. So. Uh, so anyways, so Queen Empress Hysteria is furious. She's, what's weird is that she's more like sad than angry. <laughs> right. She's just so disappointed because <laughs> she was having such a wonderful day. Oh, it is also right. in this moment that I realized that the Empress has like this like pink, pla- like see, like it's like a monocle. She's got a pink monocle on and it's great. Yes. Um, I don't know uh, if you noticed it, fan, but keep, keep an eye has some sort of cool look too. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's got, like, this sort of uh, extendable fan dealy. Uh, looks great. So we cut back down to the fight on the ground, and things sort of turn against the O-Ranger's favor. And some, yeah. somehow, and I don't know when this happened, there's, a like, a huge boulder rolling around and trying to crush them. I don't know where that came from, to be honest. I, I turned away to take a note, and when I came back, yeah, they were I... all almost crushed by a boulder. Yeah, unfortunately, I also missed the explanation for that particular one. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's, listen, so it's a fight. Bad stuff is happening. There is a line yep. of gasoline that catches on fire, which blows up some cars, which sets this whole really shoddily made monument uh, sort of tottering, which means that the bus is going to fall over, which means right. that the people in the bus are going to fall over, which is not good for them. Right. So Ored, Goro, turns, and he says, Oh, pink, oh, yellow, oh, blue. You guys go save them. Oh, Green and I will sort of hold down the fort down here. Like, we will continue to sort of like, even though they know they're not going to do any damage, we are just going to sort of continue to draw aggro on Barra Saucer here so you guys can take care of that. Yeah. So they, uh, I think O-Red, I get the feeling that O-Red sort of allows himself to be grabbed by Barra Saucer. So he is being held up in the air in the grip of Barra Saucer in some very, very cool camera work. I think they did a great job there. Uh, Blue, yellow, and pink are able to save the people from the bus. As this is happening... Olay. Olay. That's the only thing I I sort of actively dislike about this show so far. Uh, (laughs) Oh, um, something that was mentioned by one of our uh, followers on Twitter is that... 
and this is something that for some reason just did not occur to me, is that like the L and R sounds in Japanese are the same. And so they are O-Ranger. So it's not just that it kind of sounds the same. Like Ole is literally the same like opening like sound from the word O-Ranger. Like when they oh. say it. Yeah. Gosh, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it works a lot better that way. So hopefully that will uh, that will allay your frustrations. You know what? It actually really, really does. <laughs> so they oh um so Barrasaucer throws O Red in a sort of a cool shot. Like it's a wirework shot. So it looks like the dude gets thrown. What's actually happening is that the actor is hung from like a crane that is above the camera and is sort of swung on a wire into a building like opposite from where like the camera is situated it's super cool looking yeah they do uh man they just i get i i feel silly sort of gush, continuing to gush about it but they are just doing a super great job well and also a lot um, of the perspective stuff in this episode is very cool because this dude is giant and they don't have giant robots yet so like yes. oh red lands the kids are now safe they say, like, O-Rangers, do your best. Ole, um, which is amazing because they already know the O-Rangers catchphrase, even though this is literally the first time the O-Rangers have ever existed. Yeah. That... <laughs> like, yeah, they know their name bit... and their catchphrase. That... <laughs> that was a little bit of a weird moment. Um, so these these kids get to... They even do, like, the salute, which is, which is pretty great. Um, so... They are saved, and now the O-Rangers can really let loose. Yeah, and, and, they, and they finally get to show us. Okay, finally. It's episode two. But they I do was, now show us their that. weapons. Which I love. I'm really glad. Like, come on, man. Like, show me the toys early. Like, get me excited. I want to see all the special equipment. So, they do all have special equipment. And as we mentioned last week, uh, they're not all swords, which is very cool. Uh, O-Red does have the Star Slasher, I think is uh, what it's called. Uh, I, I've got them all written down here, Dave. So he has this oh, yeah, sword, please. which is the Star Riser. Um, Yuji has... I'm sorry, I'm going to go in the order that they said on the shows because that's how I have it written down. Uh, Shohei um, has like a sort of a square face mask. And so he has these square crushers, which are these two like hand axes. Yep. Yuji, who has the triangle-shaped mask... Um, has the delta to, the delta tonfas, which are these two tonfa batons with these triangular blades sticking off of the tail, tail end of them. They're they're very very cool. Um, uh, Jury has the sort of like two horizontal lines on her mask, uh, and so she gets two nunchucks called the twin batons, yeah. which is great because nunchucks are great. And then Momo, in a bit of like unfortunate transliteration, has a circle which turns into a shield, which she calls the uh, the Circle Defensor, which is yeah, very close. A, yeah, it's, a, you know, sure. Uh, so they all pull out these weapons and they they start they, they start fighting Barasaucer. And it's a really cool shot because we get these, it's five human-sized people fighting this giant thing. So like, what do they do? They all just kind of jump onto it and start <laughs> hacking at whatever is closest. It's just well, like a shadow of the Colossus moment where they're just like sitting on top of it, hitting it with nunchucks. Well, okay. Sort of. Uh, <laughs> um, the Tanfas and the Smashers and the Riser, they do all... So, O-Red, O-Blue, and O-Green 
are actively hitting Barasaucer. O-Pink is just standing on Barasaucer and kind of waving the shield around. Yes, that and is then true. And O-Yellow is also just standing on Barasaucer, kind of like swinging the nunchucks, but not no point at actually... Right, no, they don't actually make contact, which I imagine would also be a weird shot because if you had two nunchucks and you were fighting a giant monster, you would just be sort of like whacking at it. Yeah, uh, like with the Star Riser, you can imagine the sword is like passing through something, but both the twin batons and the circle defensor are blunt, and so you're just bopping into it. Yeah, it's uh, that's not super cool. So they they do kind of enough damage. They get it's man. Shadow of the Colossus. I never played it. Don't rub it in. Oh, dude, Matt. Matt, like, you gotta find... You have to... You're right, Dave. Very rarely do I say this. Let me go somewhere and find a PS2 so I can play this game. Listen, man. The internet has to have provided a way for you to play this game. Genuinely... It's one. I think it's one of the best games ever made. Like, it was such a good game. I don't Um, disagree. I wanted to play it at the time. But you know what? I anyways, want to do it this time. Talk about this episode. Finish talking about it. Yeah. So anyways, um, they kind of get Barasaucer's hit points down enough that they can f- use their finisher. Or their, their initial finisher. And we get one of my favorite things in Super Sentai. And we actually haven't gotten it in, uh, in basically any of the seasons. Is that all of their schnazzy, all of their super weapons... Combine into one giant super weapon. Yes, which I love. And I, I think the I kind of forget the last that. time we would have seen it. I think is Z Ranger, right? Yeah, which they, they definitely do it in Z Ranger. They do it in Z Ranger, but they don't do it in Jetman. Like they do have they have a similar thing in Jetman, but it's like a dune buggy that turns into a like a giant laser that five people carry. I was um, gonna say it's not really the same thing. And then in Die Ranger, they did have like a big weapon that they all held together, but it wasn't made out of their regular weapons. And then Kaka right. Ranger didn't have anything like that. Yeah, it really didn't. So uh, we get. I mean, we they had Kaka Ranger back. Ball, which I know you loved. Yeah, I love, I love Kaka Ranger. You know, I've really turned a corner, man, on Kaka Ranger Ball, and I love it now. Very I have learned to love Kaka Ranger Ball. That's not true. I still don't like it. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so all of their weapons combine into this giant, what did they call it? Uh, the Big Bang Buster. Yeah, not a great name. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, what, so what I do love about of... the Big Bang Buster is that it is like, it's not huge, right? Like it's basically the size of like a really big rifle, like a big laser rifle yeah. thing. So they don't need five people to carry it. And so O-Red carries it, and the other four just stand behind him and brace him so he doesn't get, like, shot back by the force of the thing. Oh, see, I think that makes sense, too. I kind of assumed that because this whole thing is, like, Choriki-powered, that they are... Oh, like, they are the battery for it? Yeah, kind of, that, like, all five of them sort of, like, hook up through, sort of through their suits. Because, you know, the suits are, like, super circuitry. That they kind of like hook up through their suits and all kind of plug into the big boom boomer, big, big blaster bang boomer, buster. the big master bang blaster, buster, the master blaster. Uh, that they all plug into the master blaster, and that is what kind of powers uh, that. That also makes the sense. ultra blast. Either way, it works. I think I like my version a little bit better, but it doesn't matter because they literally never explain it. It just looks cool. And then that's that's it for Barasaucer. Like they just drop this this shot and uh, and he goes down, man. Yeah, um, he falls down, 
the we cut back up to the moon where everyone is like furious and shocked and they kind of don't know how to deal with the situation. Uh, they blame it all on Acha and Kocha, which seems really unfair and mean. Yeah, that's not that doesn't seem cool at all. And uh, Emperor Bacchus Roth says Roth Wrath. Emperor Bacchus Wrath says, "Well, that's it. Uh, no way am I going to lose. I am just going to create like more and more better, perfect robot monsters, and I'm going to send them to Earth." Like, and then I I dig what he says here. Because he just says, we'll just increase production. And you see, like, the Barra soldiers, like, getting pumped out of the factory a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like they have to train these. Like, they're all robots. Yeah. Just make make more, better, faster. Now, he he does call for a sort of immediate temporary retreat to sort of regroup to figure out how they're going to deal with these five jerks. But, uh, yeah, like, so he has redoubled his efforts. He is now aware of the O-Rangers. Um, and sort of the, the the show is now sort of can now roll forward. Uh, yeah. We cut back down to Earth where they have untransformed and they are the sweatiest people you have ever seen in your life. Yeah. Uh, Goro does a little like head shake. Like slow motion sweat. head shake. Yeah. And sweat just like flies off of his head. And it's weird because it feels like it's supposed to be this, like, cool, intense moment. And it's it's just very gross. Yeah. Uh, the camera pans back from where Goro is. And the other four are also super sweaty. But they are not standing triumphantly. They are sort of no. doubled over and exhausted. Like, what I, on earth has just happened to us? I love this. Because yeah, they look up at it. Goro... They look up at Goro and they're like, what is going on? Like, my body. And Goro says, yeah, man. He's like, the transformation is super, super taxing on your body. He says, that's how it was for me at first, too. He says, it's incredibly difficult. And it puts a ton of strain on your body to do this. That's why we only do it when we really, really need to. Which I think is also a great sort of piece of storytelling. Yeah. Which like, I love. why aren't you just always, like, yeah, like, why me, aren't you just always the O-Rangers? Well, like, there's a reason. Like, give me one sentence early in the show to explain away the thing that everyone is going to complain about. Like, why don't you just start off using your superpowers? Like, well, because it sucks. And, like, it yeah. uses up your energy and will leave you exhausted for when you really need it. Like, perfect. That's good. Great. That's all. That's literally all I need. I know. Well, okay. Here's the only. I do love that it's there, Matt. I do love that it's there. I will say, if they gave us that every time we wanted it, you and I would be out of a quote-unquote job. True, true. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's, yeah, but they do. They say, like, yeah, that's why we don't do it. It's just really, really difficult to to maintain this transformation. I did notice something that I want to point out is that O-Yellow and O-Pink, they're uniforms. Oh, gosh, yeah. I was going to talk about their uniforms uniforms here. Like, the three dudes just have, like, flight suits, basically, with some designs on them. The ladies have the same top, and then they have, like, mini skirts and knee-high boots. Yeah. Which just seems a little... A little unnecessary. I was going to say, A, it's a show for kids. I mean, they aren't, like... These are not, like, sexy outfits. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't want to, like, oversell this. But, like, first of all, it's a show for kids. Second of all, like... Really, guys? That's that's we felt the need to do that. 
Like, you were all on the same, you know, like, they are literally all, like, have the same rank and are on the same, like, team together. Uh, even no. before they were O-Rangers. Like, they should all have the same uniform. Here's what really bugs me about the uniforms, Dave. Is that there are these sort of, like, geometric shapes on the front of their jumpsuits. And there are, like, four shapes. Three of them are black. One of them is colored. Right. Now, you would think that Goro's would be red and Shohei's would be green. And Yuri, uh, Yuji's would be blue, and Juri's would be yellow, and Momo's would be pink, right? Yeah, you would think that. Wrong. Uh, all of the guys have a red little triangle, and both of the ladies have a yellow little triangle. And so for two of the five O-Rangers, their jumpsuits make sense, and for the other three, I'm going to spend the next 47 episodes being very upset. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's basically the end of the episode. They cut back to their base. Um, the like the big hangar doors open, and there's a big snowstorm outside. And they look up at the full moon, and they just start like shouting at the moon because they know that's where Baranoia is. Right, but there's no. <laughs> They're just like talking smack on the moon. Like, how dare you? The moon. That's where you are. We're coming for you. Don't like bring it. Like, do your best. We got everything that you can take. Jerks. Space jerks. Moon idiots. (laughs) Um, And then Goro turns around and is like, Shohei. Oh, he starts to refer to them by, like, their rank and, like, family name. And then stops and, like, goes around, like, greeting them all by first name. Like, yes, we are now friends and together in this. And it was very good. They all put their hands together in the center. You know, like teams do. Uh, And the episode ends. Yep. That was it. Uh, it was super good. Uh, but you know what else is super good, Dave? Is it the Creature Royale? It's the Creature Royale. So where do you think on this list of 109 mo- or 108 monsters, where do you think that Barra Saucer lands? Well, I'm going to be honest, Matt. I think he's probably pretty low on the list. And frankly, I think we're going to have... like. I think a lot of the monsters that are that we're going to be running into in these first episodes are going to be pretty low on the list. Well, okay. If only because, you know, like early on in these shows, oftentimes the monsters, like, they show up. There's not a lot going on with them. I mean, Saucer, he literally, he shows up. He's got kind of a cool look. He gets blasted, and, and that's more or less it. Like, yeah. he's not important to the story, He's not, like, a super significant element. He's just kind of there to get jacked. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so here's here's my question, then. Baradrill is currently at number 103. Baradrill was a regular-sized robot that got beaten by a sword's poke to the head. Yes. Barasaucer is a building-sized robot that got defeated by the sort of weapon that you should anticipate normally beating, like, a human-sized robot. So, like, this this dude had a cool look, and he was in a great episode, and I loved, like, the mayhem that he was causing, Uh, but he got beaten up by, like, a sword, some taunt batons, a nunchuck, and, like, a shield bonking against it, and then they shot him with, like, a tiny laser, and he died. And listen, those are all very good versions of those things, 
It's the biggest tiny laser they have. That's true. That is very true. They weren't just using the King Smashers, but uh, I mean, come on. It's it's not a great showing. Yeah. So here's what I will say, though. I like his look a lot more than Baradrill. I okay. think Barasasa looked leagues, leagues cooler. But even then, man, as I'm as I'm looking at this list, I might like it more than Kasabake. Kasabake being the worst the, of the uh, two. The Umbrella, Umbrella Monster monsters. from Yeah, from Kaku Ranger. Um, do you like him better or worse than Mirror Dimension? I don't like him as much as Mirror Dimension. Mirror Dimension didn't look as cool, but like at least it did cool stuff. Yeah, but but Barasasser looked way way cooler. So I definitely don't like him as much as Vending Machine Dimension because Vending Machine Dimension, although awful, did kind of have like a, a fun episode. You know, I'm gonna say just above, just above Mirror Dimension. Okay, I'm comfortable with that. So that's going to make him our new number 99 on the list. And that, Dave, unless I'm very much mistaken, is going to do it for this episode. You're not. Oh, cool. Well, in that case, um, <laughs> before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that Shining in Apple Podcasts, there are five stars in their rating section. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, it is the beginning of a new season, of course, so that's always a good time for people to hop in uh, and join the fun. Uh, that's how we get new people listening, um, which is always fun. We like it when new people find us yeah. and uh, enjoy listening to it with you. Um, the... Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.